welcome everyone to uh, I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. And this is an episode which, Troy, you and I weren't actually planning to do, but I think when we had our chat with Philip Yancey, there was a lot of things that came up for us, weren't there? It was it was a really interesting chat, and I came away from it personally going, oh, that was a bit Christian-y, wasn't it? And I, I can't say it left me feeling uncomfortable, but it left me feeling slightly uneasy. Yeah, totally. That's why I suggested that we do this episode, you know, that we do a bit of a, a reflection on it. And, I, and we've never done that before. We've never done an episode on an episode. But, um, yeah, it, it just it pushed a lot of buttons in me, some good, um, some not so good. And even listening to the recording of that episode and, and even being involved, obviously, in the actual recording, I just was quite, I don't know, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but I was taken aback a little bit by some of my responses in the way that I was, but also the way that I wasn't. In what way? Well, I just think... I was very positive. I was very upbeat. You know, he's one of the, you know, world's top evangelical authors. Mm. And I didn't ask him any really tough, hard questions. I didn't I didn't go at him at all, really. I, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that with you. And that may not be a bad thing, but still, it, it's what happened. You know what? I, I, th- I reflected on this. He disarmed us. Without, I think, I don't think he was consciously trying to disarm us because I think we've said this, that when we asked him to come on the pod, very clear in the correspondence going, we are not Christians, we are ex-evangelicals, we are not in the fold anymore, but we're not coming in from an angry place, we're coming in from a reflective place and trying to, I guess, build a... um, a, a good, healthy response to what happened to us. And he was like, yeah, cool, no worries, happy to come on the pod. And we asked him that, as our listeners would would um, recollect from, from the episode, we asked him, why would you want to come on an evangelical pod? And he was he was quite clear. He goes, I was hoping evangelicals would read my book. You know, he was really, really happy with that. A bit disarming. Yeah, well, fair enough, fair enough. So first question, right, that this brought up for me is, what do we do with evangelicals who are good people, <laughs> right? What do we do with the ones that you just can't be angry at? And, and he seemed to be one of them. Yeah, and it's really difficult. And again, this is, this is something we asked him. But when you look, if you were to look at a profile of an evangelical now, you know, very, very much I think you would think in your mind a US evangelical very angry, Trump supporter, judgmental, wanting to lynch anybody that sins and wanting to take over the world and incredibly politically motivated. I can't see him through that lens. Like our conversation with him, he just didn't seem like an evangelical. It's that really uncomfortably with me that he still calls himself that and he still is happy with that label. So I think that for me was part of the the bit that made me feel uncomfortable. However, there are good evangelicals out there. We cannot we cannot say that they're all bad. That would be a really stupid thing to say, and it would be misrepresenting a bunch of people who do good, who are reasonable humans, and are responding to the world in a loving and accepting way. So what do we do with that? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, well, I think it's a question of label. I think a lot of our listeners, and, and us included, would go, he's not an evangelical. He's a fucking liberal. Right, like he's he is he's he's progressive, you know. He's got 
gay friends and, you know, he's not taking a stand on abortion. And, you know, even he said these are the two defining principles of Christianity these days, at least in America, abortion and homosexuality, and he refuses to take a stand on either of them. So the evangelicals would be saying, sorry, you know, you're not ticking the boxes, you're out. I mean, he's he's more Brian McLaren-ish and Rob Bellish than he is you know, Jerry Falwell-ish or Pat Robertson or whatever. And, and as a matter of fact, he was dissing those names. He talked about Pat Robertson and James Dobson and Jerry Falwell. He was dissing them. And Trump, 100% he was. Yeah, he was. It, it was interesting. It, if you look back at the Frank Schaefer, uh, sorry, Frank Schaefer episode, you, you look at um, him and Frank, you could line them up and you could see them having a good conversation. One comes from a Christian lens still, one doesn't, but they have a similar bent on things. It, it was really interesting. They have more in common than they have that divides them, right? Oh, absolutely. Yet, I mean, there was a lot of really Christian language, which I squirmed a bit. <laughs> yeah, was... yeah, me too. Me too. Oh. I, wasn't, I wasn't happy with it. And I was also thinking about audience. See, I do care about you folks out there. Um, I was also thinking, oh God, I hope these people aren't triggering at this, you know, because you're saying, I have a relationship with God. And if you if you have if you know, if you can have a relationship with God, why would you stop anything from letting you have that? And I'm thinking, shut up. it was difficult that was a really difficult bit to process but you know what i came away away from that episode with even more respect than i went into it with and i had a lot of respect for yancey you know and i came out of it going you know what you're a good guy you're actually somebody that i could see as having a friendship because i i wouldn't feel threatened by him i wouldn't feel like he's sitting there judging me or or anything like that and that is how if christians want to be seen in any light that's how they should want to be seen but most of them don't most of them are there trying to carve their way apart by being something completely different and generally that ends up in just one big judgmental mess so it, it made me ask that when i read you know, and this is very sort of Jacques Derrida, right? That we we bring our our baggage to what we read. You know, we bring our own you know interpretations. We bring our own lenses to what we read, and and so you know, you can read a book, and I can read a book, and we can have very very different experiences from the same book, right? Because of what we bring. Yep. And it made me wonder where was he at when he wrote those books compared to us. See, we read them because we were told, you can read these. You can buy this at Kurong. You can buy this at Word. You can buy this at your local Christian bookshop. So it must be okay. And then we read it and it changed us, Brian, both mm. of us. You know, or, or, you know, I'm thinking what's so amazing about grace, the Jesus I never knew, you know, disappointment with God, those kinds of books. They really did change us. And I'm wondering, were they catapults, or maybe not catapults, but at least nudges out of evangelicalism? or out of Pentecostalism, I should say, the Pentecostalism that we were in, because he certainly wasn't coming from that perspective. But did we misunderstand where he was actually coming from? Like he was coming, I I think if we'd actually sat down and talked with him back then and heard what he really believed, we probably would have gone, oh, sorry, you're too liberal. I'm I'm not reading your books. I'm going to burn them, which is what some people did. Even back then they were like, oh, he's too liberal. And now I look back and go, actually, I think he was. Yeah, I I 100% think he was. And I can most definitely confirm that he nudged me out of Pentecostalism. I mean, some of it was, you know, I read when I was out the other side, but the the bits and pieces that I did read while I was still in it, they definitely fed into the questions I was having at the time in, in going, 
hey, this shit ain't right. And his writings made sense to me. And even to this this day, you know, I, I think you're right. I look back on it and he was as liberal as can be. Yeah, well, maybe not as liberal as can be, but certainly far more liberal than, than maybe we thought he was. But God, he had a really positive influence on us back then, didn't he? You know, like he just, just set us free. Well, you look at a lot of his books. I mean, regardless of what the title is, the book is generally saying, hey, don't believe everything that's in front of you at your church every Sunday because a lot of it isn't actually accurate historically or even accurate within a, a scriptural context. He was saying there's something else in this and it's not the the shit that you get every Sunday. So it, it was interesting and he's still saying the same thing. Yeah, exactly right. So how do you think that atheists and agnostic audience members, right, of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist, how do you think they responded to that episode? Do you reckon they sat there and went, no, fuck off. What's he doing on the show? <laughs> yeah, fair chance. And and if you you think about, you know, we have Brian McLaren coming on this um, season as well, you know, they would probably think the same there. But we're not just trying to give a voice to those who are anti we're trying to give a voice to those who we see as possibly bringing in a different way of thinking. And we want to challenge ourselves as much as challenge our listeners as well. So let, let's not be an echo chamber and just feed that confirmation bias. You're never going to grow as a human being. So how would the agnostics or atheists respond? Well, the guy was a Christian, so they probably wouldn't like it. But could you argue with some of his life wisdom? Take out the Christianese, take out any of that stuff that he was talking about, Jesus or God or whatever. He has some good wisdom, life wisdom. Like we're trying to in the podcast, find the good stuff. There's always going to be some good stuff, even if you have to dig around a bit bit uh, deeper on some things. But were we too accommodating? Did we fanboy him too much? Was it, you know, was it like, like you know, me, meeting Eddie Van Halen or something, you know, because it was he was such an influence on me when I was fourteen. You know, is is that is that what that was like? Do you think we were a little bit too accommodating, or or did we did we ask the right questions? Look, if Philip could play guitar, I would have fanboyed more, just like Eddie Van Halen. But maybe, maybe I'm not seeing it in the way that others saw it. But I don't think we fanboyed too much. You know, I, I don't think that we asked any incredibly hard, difficult questions. But we also we did ask him, and and we challenged him on a on a couple of areas of you know why why still use the label, all that sort of stuff. I mean, we weren't going to go in and go, why are you a Christian? Because we're not that sort of podcast. So if people want that angry mob sort of mentality, you probably listen to the wrong podcast anyway. Yeah, there are other podcasts that will do that, aren't there? So he said he was still, in air quotes, theologically conservative, but then didn't open up what that was. And again, I'm not going to speculate. But um, that, that triggered me. When he said that he was theologically conservative, I was like, oh, shut up, shut up. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder what that even means. I mean, this is coming from a guy who's just talked about one of his five best friends as, as gay, come out as gay, you know, who was a pastor and that uh, he considered him one of the best people to be around. Generally, if you're theologically conservative or, a, or deep in the evangelical space, then you really, you don't generally hear too many people saying that. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, we didn't unpack it and who knows, you know, he may be, you know, deity of Christ, virgin birth. I, I don't know. We, we didn't go there. And so let's not. But the other thing that 
stuck to, stuck out to me. Do you remember at one point I sort of juxtaposed his mother with his brother and said, you know, there was this middle way and everything. And then he turned around and said, yeah, really good insight, Troy. Yes. And at that moment, I got so chuffed that Philip Yancey said that I had really good insight, right? Absolutely. And and I got really, you know, and then I thought to myself, look at me, pastor, 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 look over here, look at me, look at me, I've got really good insight. And I thought to myself, ooh, is that, that I don't think that's a good thing. You know, like I think I need to be a little bit, you know, like instead of being 14 or, you know, 19 or whatever, mm. you know, it's like 52 years old and, yeah, do you get what I'm saying? That, that, and this is what I'm asking about the, did, did we tap back into who we were then in some, I don't know, I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe so, but even, you know, I mean, we've, we've, I would have, I would have been pretty chuffed if he had said that to me too. So, I mean, I think that's something that is relatively normal. I don't think it's good or it's bad. I think it's a, it's a relatively normal thing to do as long as you don't then try and pull that forward and go, you know, you're 73 years old with your grandchildren on your lap going, you know, that time Philip Yancey said that I had good insight and it was an amazing time in my life. You know, I, I mean, it's all within the context of us recording a podcast with him and he said that. And I think that, you know, it's great that he did that and it's great that he, he called that out. And I think you're grounded enough to not then build a ministry on that. So that is, that is okay. Or maybe you will build a ministry. I'm not going to judge either way. It's called but... in, Insightful with Philip Yancey. <laughs> look, man, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's this, this need, like all of a sudden there was this evangelical hero on the end of a call and he's calling me insightful and I'm getting, I, I don't know, I just felt wrong about that. I just felt like it's like, come on, you know. But I was, I was chuffed. I was like, yes, that's right. Thanks, Uncle Phil. You, know? <laughs> you, you felt a little bit dirty from being chuffed. And yeah, I totally but, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not a little bit. Very <laughs> but look, I, I think that's okay. And uh, I don't know. I, that sits completely comfortably with me. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not phased by that, but I completely understand how you would feel uncomfortable for feeling that way. But he was he was fun to to interview, and you know there's there's a lot of good stuff in it. So, okay, I got another question for you. Go. Is then moderate evangelicalism an okay? And I want to really stress that moderate bordering on liberal. Right? Mm. Is moderate evangelicalism an okay place post fundamentalism? Or not? Uh, look, from from my perspective, I'd probably still judge you. Um, I mean, I'm for me, you know, the, the Christian story narrative doesn't doesn't ring true to me. It's not there, and I'm not quite sure personally. If, if someone just was to say to me, "Oh, that's where I've landed," I'd go, "That's cool, no worries." As long as you're not a judgmental prick and don't try as long and as preach. You've got to gay me. friends and don't take a stand on abortion. <laughs> that's right. Then you can be my friend and write a but, book and tell me I'm insightful. 25 books yeah but yeah look look for for me I, i'm not really phased if if that's where people want to land in the end that's okay and maybe it is a better place than fundamentalism where you know that judgment really sits but for me being an evangelical uh, uh, it's it still sits uncomfortably with me that label particularly sits uncomfortably with me and i think some of that is definitely the hangover of the the Trump era and what we really saw rise up in that, but also what we've seen in Australia. And we've seen it with our Prime Minister, that he's a Pentecostal. He's got a big evangelical following and people follow him 
because he is a Christian and a very loud and proud Christian. I have an issue with that because personally, I think he's a shit leader and he's one of the worst prime ministers we've ever had. He's hollow, but you get people voting for him because he's a Christian. So I do have an issue with that sort of evangelicalism that really doesn't encourage any independent thinking. But if someone joined our Facebook group, for example, and yeah. started to say, oh, you know, no, I, I believe that Jesus died and rose again, and I believe that, um, you know, there was a virgin birth, and I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and I don't, I don't reckon we'd be too tolerant of that in our group. Possibly not, but you know what? There's 400-odd people in that group, and I'm sure that there's there's probably only a handful. We, we've never seen more than maybe 50, 60 different people comment. I'm sure there's people lurking there that do believe that. And for them, that's okay. Like, just don't come in and preach it. Like, don't come in because you will trigger people. Don't come in and, and dump that, and that's not what the podcast is about. It's not about – it's not. It's a podcast for everybody and anybody – I think that there has to be a middle ground there and we don't tolerate people coming in and being angry and pitchfork carrying and we do moderate that. Um, some of you listening may have been subject to that some of that moderation before but we do that because a mood can swing really easy in a big group and if you've got half a dozen people coming in angry and shouting and trying to influence something one way, it can swing that way. And doubly but we so. that to both sides of the fence, right? Whether you're, you know, if you're a venom-spitting atheist or a venom-spitting Christian, we'll, we'll censor you both. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I was going to say next is that, you know, if you came in the other way, we'll do the same. And you may have been subject to that as well. And some of that sits uncomfortably with me because I think I don't want to censor people, but I also see how damaging some of that narrative can be when we do let it run away and uh, get to that that place i mean you would just you know cast your mind back a couple of weeks ago when we recorded that special episode about the response to brian houston and all the stuff that came out in the news it was the same sort of thing we're trying to moderate the conversation and have a bit of grace and respect for each other yeah and i think it's key that you use that word moderate rather than censor you know, we're yeah. trying to sort of steer the tone and, and maintain the tone for sure. Another question then, he called us bridge builders. He said that he sees himself as a bridge builder and he said that we were bridge builders. How did you respond to that? Did you think that was true? Yeah, I do. That's something I wear with pride. I don't see myself as someone who is agnostic and doesn't believe left or right and sits in the middle and, and doesn't declare what they believe. I mean, we've, we've declared what we believe here on the podcast many times, but there's an art in sitting in the middle in a way that you are comfortable with either side of the conversation, as long as it's not a, a, a shouty conversation where everybody's abusing each other, because there's a real value in being a bridge builder. If you can actually have an ability to communicate and remain open to both sides, then it's a hugely powerful thing because this is how wars start. We're seeing this in the Ukraine and Russia at the moment. You've got you've got two sides yelling at each other and at, at war with each other, much worse than yelling, of course. What, who comes in? Other countries try and come in and they try and bring peace to the situation and they don't do it by saying, you're wrong, you're wrong. They come in to go, hey, how can we find a middle ground here? Something you can agree with, something that we can all parties can agree with, and that's where we land. 
I think that's what we try and do through the podcast. We try and find a place where we can find commonality, that we can find somewhere where people can be safe in saying what they're saying, being what they're being, doing what they're doing, as long as it's not damaging to others. So being a bridge builder, I really like that. How about you? Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a really good thing. I was talking to a rabbi oh, some years ago now with all that COVID haze that could have been yesterday, but some years ago, and, and he... Did he walk into a bar with a priest? And, no, a okay. rabbi and a priest, yeah, walked into a bar, no. I was talking to this rabbi, and he's a progressive rabbi, right? So they are, you know, like basically the uniting church of Judaism, right? They're just very many parts kind of thing. And, and so what he was saying to me is he said, um, you know, he believes in God, but not in a sort of, you know, super defined orthodox Jewish perspective, right? Um, But he was saying that it's like a mountain, that life or existence is like a mountain and we're all climbing to the top and there are many paths, you know, it's, it's that old, you know, many paths to God kind of thing. And he was saying that, you know, Judaism is one path. And, and all the different kinds of Judaism are their own paths. And, you know, there's different kinds of, you know, paths for Christianity and different kinds of paths for secular humanism. He, you know, he would even include, you know, non-religious paths that we're all, whether we believe it or not, we're all ultimately heading towards God or he- heading towards the universe or heading towards enlightenment, whatever you want to call it. And that we're all, we're all heading that way. And he said, you know, for a long time, People can walk the Christian path and then they can change paths and, you know, go a, a moderate is, Islamist path or go a, a moderate, you know, Judaistic path or go a, you know, a secular humanism path or whatever. But as long as they're heading up the mountain. And I've met a lot of people over the years now who I have found, I'm going to call them spirit people. You know, like I, I guess I define myself now as an agnostic in the sense that. I'm not hardcore anti-theist and I'm not hardcore theist either. I really don't know. And being at peace with the I don't know. So we're all heading up this mountain. And, you know, whether you think you're heading towards God or whether you think you're just heading towards enlightenment or whether you think you're heading towards just, you know, some sort of perfection in this lifetime doesn't matter. And so that's what I'm asking. Should we throw moderate, gentle Philip Yancey style evangelical as one of these paths. Can we say that that is an okay path to be on? It's not a path that you and I have chosen, but is it an okay path? Or are we saying, actually, it's still quite damaging because these doctrines are crazy and, you know, like we would Orthodox Judaism or like like we would fundamentalist Islam. Is it okay, do you think? It sits comfortably with me with a slight disclaimer don't preach to me. Don't try and convert me to that. That's okay for you to be like that, which I think makes it difficult because evangelical, their position is to evangelize. So it is to spread the good news. It is to bring it to others. So that's the bit for me that sort of sits uncomfortably. But Philip Yancey's brand of it or expression of it didn't seem to offend me. And, you know, I know we only got a small bite of it. We got an hour of Philip. But also reading his books, I never felt like the guy was never a pastor. He was never a pastor of a church. He considered himself a journalist and an author. And I think that he does that really well. And he does seem to bring a reasonably balanced view. However, he does believe that he's an evangelical, that he is a Christian. He's a card-carrying Christian. And whatever that comes with, that, you know, he's... He wears that loud and proud. 
I'm not I'm not overly offended by it because I still have good friends who are Christians. I have good friends who are evangelicals. I still have friends that go to Pentecostal churches. Very few of them, and they're not people that I really catch up with often, but they don't offend me in because they know where I stand. They don't try and bring me into the fold. Uh, they know that that's something that's not for me anymore. So I can still have friends in that space. How how deep I could have those friendships, I, I don't really know. I mean, could you see yourself being a friend of an evangelical or Pentecostal? Not a close friend, no. And and oftentimes they can't be friends with me either. No, no, that that's absolutely true. So, I mean, it, it's pretty rare. And, and and it's interesting, you know, you see, you talk about progressives and you talk about Brian McLaren, you see as, you know, very much many paths, one mountain sort of response. And and he's a, a Christian, very much so when you, I've listened to a couple of episodes of podcasts recently with him on it. And it triggered me more than actually listening to Philip Yancey. Like he definitely speaks a lot more of the Christianese and maybe it was the context of the podcast that I listened to him on. But again, I, I see I can listen to them without really being triggered because I think for me, I'm comfortable where I've landed. I'm comfortable where I am. I'll continue to keep shifting. I'll continue to evolve. And I don't know how that'll look in one year and five years and 10 years, but I'm also comfortable with shifting in what I believe. I got distracted before, so coming back to that, and it resonates with what you're saying. I was talking about these spirit people, and, and I've just I've taken that label. I know other people might use it in other ways, but in my journeying, I have been reading or listening to podcasts or listening to audio books or whatever it is, and I have connected with people from these varying traditions, and yet they all seem to have this same sort of vibe. That, that sort of comes out with them. So one is Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a um, Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a Vietnamese Buddhist teacher. Another one is the Dalai Lama, right? You read some of his stuff. Another one is Brian McLaren. Another one is Richard Rohr. Another one is Sharon Browse, who's Rabbi Sharon Browse, female female rabbi. I I seem to connect with these people, and they all seem to have a religious bent. But it's this many paths thing, right? But they're all ultimately saying the same thing as each other, which is just this love one another, be better people, express love to to yourself, be true to you know, all this kind of stuff, regardless of those dogmas. That's what I mean about the one mountain, many paths, right? That you can, I can sit there and listen to Brian McLaren or Richard Raw, even though they're using a Christian framework. And I'll trigger a little bit at times, some of the things that they say, but most of it, I just think this is, a, this is goodness. Or I listen to, like I said, Rabbi Sharon Browse from Ikar in, in Los Angeles, right? It's a, a synagogue. And listen to the stuff that she's saying. And, and it's just goodness. And I, and I draw it out. None of those people, I think, are going to get hung up on these dogmas of their framework that they've chosen. And, and I guess that's what I'm saying is that these many paths, these many frameworks, these spirit people that seem to come from these different frameworks, whether it's a Buddhist framework, whether it's an you know, Hebrew framework, whether it's a Christian framework, but they're all saying the same kind of thing. And and I really like that. And when I was a fundamentalist, I would have said, oh, you're just a new ager. You know, you're just synchronistic, taking everything in. And I, and I would have totally torn into myself. And yet now I look at that and I think, I think this is a nice way to be. And Brian McLaren in his new book, 
should I stay Christian or whatever it's called, when we get him on, we're going to talk about it. But I read that book in preparation for, for his interview, and he talks about expressions of secular humanism being the same thing, you know. So so it is this one one path, excuse me, one mountain, many paths. And, and that's how I see Philip Yancey, right? I really do. In sitting there talking to him, I'm thinking, you're another one of these cats. You're another one of these characters, and you're doing that in that framework called you know, conservative evangelicalism or even moderate evangelicalism, but the message seems to be the same, which is, oh, calm down and be good to one another. Yeah, I agree. And and even if you, you think back to our Ange Barker um, episode, you know, we love Ange, um, and we we put the challenge to her and said, you know, are you really saying it's one mountain, many paths? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. I just believe that, um, you know, God can speak to you anywhere you are. Mm, I'm just going to run a Buddhist funeral. Yeah, that's right. right. But it's not one path, you know, one mountain, many paths. However, look at all these different paths that I'm going to celebrate. Yeah, come on, Ange. You're a progressive. Yeah, um, liberal. Do you know, can I just say something too while, while we've got this point? Yeah. I think that Christians don't want to use the word liberal when they become liberal because it's like built into them and they're wholly evangelical. Like this is the ultimate badness. If you become this, you have completely lost your shit. And I think that even though, you know, quacks like a duck walks, like when we got to the cult thing, you know, I think these people are totally small L liberal, but they don't want to take that label because of what it means for years and years of working against becoming a liberal. So they've just used this new term called progressive. That's basically what they've done. Do you think it's it's sort of going back to the bridge builder stuff, though? Like if Philip Yancey sees himself as a bridge builder, and I think Frank Schaefer may have even said a, a similar sort of thing as well around bridge building. I don't know. Maybe I made that up. But if you li- uh, make yourself a liberal, then it's hard to be a bridge builder. You hard, It's hard to sit in the middle middle place there because you're, you're certainly labelling yourself. But I guess you're doing that being an evangelical too. So Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. So what about the liberals? Like who's building bridges to them? Yeah. Fuck them. They can burn. Yeah. So, so I do think I do think that there's a lot of liberals in evangelical clothing. Yeah. You know, that are out there saying, "Yeah, yeah, I'm an evangelical," but actually, you're just holding on. It's like it's like when my when my faith sort of evaporated, right? And and I, I liken it to that. And I said that on the um, when we were talking with the Jehovah's Witnesses, what what should I think about? you know, the ex-Jehovah's Witnesses on that podcast. And yeah. I said, it's like tooth decay. It's like you've got the outer shell, but inside the, the tooth is rotten, you know, and, and it needs to be yanked out. And But it looks good from the outside. And I think that's how I was with my Christian faith. I was telling people that I was still a Christian, still a Christian, but actually it was all gone. And then one yeah. day I went, oh, tap, tap, crumbled, it's gone. And I think that's how some of these folks are with the evangelical label. I think that they... They don't allow themselves to actually step out because they've been told for decades, half a century even some people, that you're not allowed to take that label. So they just dance around it and they take every other label and call themselves progressives or whatever they want to call themselves. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, and another, and you know, I mean, you talk about Richard Raw before. I mean, Philip certainly spoke about. Richard for a bit, and he's a you know he's a Franciscan progressive. You know how do you, how do you talk about that and hang your hat on a label of evangelicalism? I mean, how how does he reconcile that? And 
does it serve him well? I mean, all those sort of things. Or do you think that he's just trying to wrestle back the label of evangelicalism because it's been hijacked by a bunch of lunatics, really, in the last decade in particular? Do you think he's trying to to reclaim evangelicalism as a label by bringing in some progressive ideas? I don't know. What do you think he's doing with that? I, I don't think he's reclaiming it. I think he's never let it go. Yeah. I think he's trying to hold on to it. But as soon as he said that people on his Facebook page give him shit because of Richard Raw. I was thinking, that's because you're a fucking progressive, right? As soon yeah. as he said Richard Raw, I was like, okay, tick. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not taking a stand on homosexuality. You're not taking a stand on abortion. And now you're listening and reading Richard Raw. Do you know what I mean? Like, hello, you're Rob Bell. That's who yeah. you are. <laughs> you just you just haven't, you know, published a book declaring it kind of thing. So so no, I, I don't think that he's trying to reclaim the label, but I think he's trying to hold on to it. But he did say, do you remember? He said, if it does shift to the point where I have to jettison the label, then I will. He actually yeah. said that. He doesn't want to, but yeah. he will. Yeah, that's where his, his loyalty lays, isn't it? It's um, with the the actions. So, yeah, But he's, he's, he's 70-something, right? He doesn't have to do anything. He can just, you know, hold on to it and, you know, one day pass over and, crossover and then that's that you know what I mean it doesn't it doesn't matter and and ultimately it doesn't matter and that's what I meant about do we say that that sort of Philip Yancey moderate see he's calling himself a moderate evangelical but really we're seeing him and you and I are sitting here saying actually he's a liberal progressive so coming back to that question is moderate evangelicalism really a an acceptable landing place post fundamentalism my answer to that is no I don't think it is but I don't think that Philip Yancey is a moderate evangelical. I think he's a liberal. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, you you look at a lot of the stuff he said, and one of the things that st stood out to me, I remember, is you know he he talked about legislating morality is not the way forward, which evangelicalism is is trying to do now, but living and leading is the way to do it. And this is in opposition to to modern evangelicalism. So. For me, it's really hard. How can you be in opposition to this sort of Christianity? And again, as you say, it's because it's progressive. It's not evangelicalism as we've come to know it. There's a couple of ways that people go that I've seen. You've got the sort of, you know, completely walk away, which is us, you know, sorry, you know, this is great. Thank you very much, but we're done. Then you've got that sort of progressive and people try and hold on to some semblance. But there's another one which we haven't really talked about. And I saw this as a, from an ex-minister. Well, he's actually still a minister, but he was my pastor once upon a time. And he says, I'm not an evangelical anymore. I now subscribe to historical Christianity. And when you dig, they're all evangelical doctrines. Yep. He still holds to Trinity, divinity of Christ, inspiration of scripture, virgin birth, return of Jesus, literal hell, you know, all this. But he's saying, oh, I don't want to be the you know, the evangelical because of all the Trumpisms and all that kind of thing. But I want to hold all those, you know, what possibly what Philip Yancey meant when he said theologically conservative, but he's holding all those doctrines. He says, I'm not an evangelical anymore. I am a, you know, I, I believe in historical Christianity, but it's double talk. And we, we actually had some words. We got a bit heated with each other, this, this ex-minister and I, uh, or this minister and I, because I said to him, I said, dude, you are just an evangelical in liberal clothing sort of the reverse of what I said before. You're trying to put out this picture that you're very tolerant and accepting, et cetera, but actually you're trying to bring people into that narrow path and conform them to a set of beliefs, and it's believism. 
You must yeah. believe these things to be part of our club. And he's still doing it, but he doesn't say that he's an evangelical anymore. Now he says, air quotes, historical Christian. Same, same, right? And and I don't think that that's actually deconstructed. You can't reconstruct unless you've deconstructed. And and I don't think that's a valid path. Now, you may ju- people may judge that and say, who are you to say? I'm saying from my perspective, I don't think it's a valid path post-fundamentalism because it's still fundamentalist is what it is. That's a great thing about a podcast. We can have our opinions. You can agree with them, not agree with them. That's okay. I mean, everyone has their opinions. It's just that ours go out on a It's podcast. just that ours are right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, right. <laughs> that's right. But look, another thing that I, you know, you read this book, Where the Light Fell, and even the conversations that we had with Philip, he, he spoke about that he really set up a, a really hard shell for himself that's how he survived that's how he got through he bunkered down he pulled his head inside his shell and he just went forward and and I got to thinking did I do this you know did we do this is this something that we did I think we did in some sort of way um, when, when do you think we did that you tell me I reckon there's different times like if if I think of when I started to question when I and you couldn't talk about it what did you do? You just retreated in your shell. You just went forward. You carried your questions with you. You carried your doubts with you because you can't talk about that. There's no safe place to do it. I think also I did it when I decided finally that I no longer was a Christian, that that was definitely something that I just bunkered down. I I put up a hard shell and I pushed people away. I didn't want to hear either side. I didn't give a shit. I couldn't sit in that middle place. I, I do think coming out the other side of that, and I can definitely say I'm, I'm well outside uh, the other side of that, it makes you a better person. It makes you a more balanced person when you can actually reflect on it. But I, did I need to do it? Did I need to live inside that hard shell to become a, a more evolved and better person? Maybe, maybe not. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I remember Fiona Newton saying that she just parked it all for a while. Yeah. When I left church in 99, I didn't want to know anything about church or anybody from church. Gosh, it must have been four or five years, you know, and and I I just cut, cut it all off and just completely walked away from it all. I don't know if that was pulling into a, I mean, it definitely was pulling into a shell, but I don't know that that made me resilient. I think that, you know, I, I drank a lot and partied a lot and just switched off from it, you know, that I just didn't deal with it. And in that sense, I don't think that that was necessarily healthy for me. So I, I don't know that I did that in the way that you and and um, Philip Yancey described that. I think for me it was, you know, it was more just maladaptive coping strategies. You know, I just basically withdrew and got drunk until I was ready to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, looks similar. I think mo- mostly similar. And, and like a lot of the stuff that we look back to when we, we have conversations, we didn't, we certainly didn't frame it that way at the time. You're only looking back in hindsight and go, did I do that? And, you know, did it make us more resilient? Did it damage us? Bit of both for me, like a, a bit of both. I mean, I, I could have dealt with it better. We can always deal with things better. You don't need to, my opinion is, you don't need to retreat within a shell. If you're actually in a bit of a healthier headspace and got the supports around you that you can actually work through that without retreating in, 
that's a far, far better way to do it. But sometimes you don't have those supports around you. You don't have a healthy environment. So the shell is the only safe place that you can retreat to. So I'm, I'm comfortable that I did that. Um, I'm comfortable that it damaged me at the time, but probably made me more resilient in the long run because I have been able to process. I have been able to continue the processing, which I'll continue till the day I am six feet under. So that's, that's the reality of it for me. Yeah, look, I, I think ultimately we came to a, a much better place for sure. I'm just thinking about that time when I did retreat into that shell. I don't know that that was such a such a good thing, but I hear you. Ultimately, it, it, it brought us to a good place. Hey, the other thing I want to bring up is that he talked about David Brooks's book, The Second Mountain. Yeah. And you know me, a book, what book? You know, let's read it. I, I thought, okay, this is a New York Times author. Uh, New York Times writer rather than a um, a Christian book. So I, I looked it up and uh, there's two books that David, I mean, David Brooks has written a few, but there was two in particular. One is called The Road to Character yep. and the other one is called The Second Mountain. Second Mountain I haven't read yet. I've gone to my local library. It, luckily it was there, saved me the money. The other one, The Road to Character was available. So I started to read that. And what he's done is he's basically bringing reasons to be good you know, like here's, here's why character is a good thing and here's why you should pursue character. But he's coming at it from a, not purely from a secular perspective, but a sort of a more tolerant, you know, so yes, secular perspectives, yes, you know, religious perspectives, all these, you know, any, any, in the road to character, he's giving, showing different people throughout history who have been flawed, but who have also pursued character. So he's, so far I've read about Dwight Eisenhower, Dorothy Day and, and other people. It's very, very interesting. And, and it was, and I really liked that Philip Yancey did that. He talked about these, you know, resume um, virtues and eulogy virtues. Remember, he talked about yeah. some is, you know, our, our world is saying to us, you know, use the resume virtues, which is, you know, I'm insightful and I can, you know, public speaking and all those kinds of things. And then you've got those eulogy virtues, you know, being a good person, loving your family credibility or not credibility excuse me integrity that was something else that I really drew from him now what I thought was good about that was he's not just drawing from the bible he's actually drawing from other authors other writers he's actually drawing from secularism and I think that's what also makes Philip Yancey more rounded rather than just the fundamentalist saying the Bible says, he, he, you know, he did say that the Bible says, but he also said, David Brooks said, he also said, you know, Richard Raw says he's, he's coming from this sort of well-rounded place. And so, yeah, I, I, I did, you know, that, that was one of the things I got from that interview, I actually went away and started reading that book and it, it's quite a good book, um, but it's warts and all, 100% yep. warts and all book. So I do want to recommend those David Brooks books to our, our uh, listeners because they are worth checking out. We've landed in a place where we believe that Philip Yancey is a progressive, even if he doesn't believe it. And, and he's a good guy. Yeah. He you is, know, not, look, we talked to him for an hour, but he, he's a good guy. You see it in his writing. You see it in the, in the conversation we have with him. He's a good guy. And yet he carries that label. So what do we do with evangelicals who are seemingly good people? What do you do, Brian? I'm Okay. I'm okay. I can sit comfortably with it. But could they be my close friends? I don't know. I don't know. Really depends how they act towards me. For me, it's it's about actions, um, and a lot of those actions come out of your core beliefs as well. So, what do we do with them? Well, we treat them like everyone else. I mean, there's some good in it. Again, the whole situation with Brian Houston and what's going on there. Underneath that, there's a person. 
and I want to see the person there and value the person. I don't want to be someone who judges someone because of their beliefs. Uh, it's just uh, that doesn't sit comfortably with me. It, my judgment of people, because we all have judgment, is around people's actions and the things that they leave behind, those things that uh, I guess are the footprints of their life or the fingerprints of their life, you know. I mean, they're the stuff. That's the eulogy stuff, you know. What did people really leave behind? What was their influence? They're the things that matter to me. How about you? What, what do you reckon about it? Yeah, well, I think the world is such a polarised place at the moment, you know, politically left and right. Mm. And, you know, the Christians want to frame it as, you know, Christians and non-Christians, but it's actually not. You know, they, they've got more in common with people that they wouldn't necessarily align themselves with. It, it's really this sort of left and right political polarisation. And so coming back to what Philip Yancey said about building bridges, and, and I agree. If I could have good relationships with some of these Pentecostal people, even the ones that hurt me, I reckon I would. Mm. I really reckon I would. I reckon I'd be like, okay, I'll forgive you. You know, I, I don't want to overshare, but I had, you know, issues growing up with my family. And in the 90s, we had it out as a family. Mm. We really had it out and we told each other and really some uncomfortable truths were said. And then from that point, I had the best relationship with my with my parents in particular that, you know, it had always been sort of rocky. And after that, just adored one another, still do. And so it was it was healthy to get it out, but it was also healthy to then make peace. And that that's how I would like to ultimately be with my Pentecostal experience. I would like to ultimately be at peace. I don't think I'm quite there. And I don't know if, you know, the Pentecostal world will even ever allow that to happen, especially we do these podcasts and, you know, call <laughs> shit out and everything. But ultimately I would like to. But you've got to get it out and you've got to say it. You know, you can't just peace at all costs. And remember, you even said that to him, to Philip Yancey, about peace at all costs. He goes, I don't know I'd go as far as to say peace at all costs, mm. but peace where we can is a good thing. And to quote the Bible, sorry, people get ready for a trigger alert. What does Paul say? So Paul says, you know, do your best to be at, as, as far as humanly possible or as far as possible, be it, do your best to be at peace with all men. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and that's true of Buddhism as well. Buddhism says exactly the same thing. And I dare say you're going to find verses in other world religion texts. Um, I think it's a good place to be as much as it's possible. Do your best to be at peace with all men and women and women. Yeah, look, I agree. And, and I think in the end, the most important thing is you've got to be comfortable with yourself, your actions and your responses to them. And if you have unhealthy responses to things, then you've got to look inside first and go, why am I responding in, in such a negative or a triggering way? And there could be some very valid reasons and very real reasons for that. And also, some of it may be justified. Some of it may not be. And you've just, you've got to dig deep yourself. There has to be some personal responsibility around this stuff. And let's, let's commit to doing that, growing together as um, individuals and as communities, trying to be our best versions of ourselves that we can be. So to our audience, to the atheists, welcome. To the agnostics, welcome. I'm one of you. To the progressive Christians, welcome. To the I don't knows, welcome. You know what they, what they call them, the duns, the nuns, welcome. Yeah. No matter where you are, welcome to this podcast. But if you're going to say my position is the only position and none, no other position is valid, then maybe this isn't the place for you. But that being said, hang around as long as you want. And even those of you that are still Pentecostals and still evangelicals and asking the questions, 
definitely welcome. Come and be come and be a part of what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, if if your truth is the only truth, then you're still a fundamentalist. Doesn't matter of of what, you're still a fundamentalist. So means I am a teenage fundamentalist or I am an adult fundamentalist, but it's certainly not where we we are and we landed. But I, I don't think there'd be too many people listening or in um, the Facebook group or Twitter community that we have that would be of that stance. But if you are, have a, have a good look at where you're at. Yeah, cool. All right, mate. I'll see you next week. Later.